don't mean to be rude, Mr. President, uh, but it is imperative that you begin to take a leadership role here. We cannot win this thing alone. Without your active involvement, our presence here will never be anything more than a foreign occupation. This is your war for your country, your people. Again, I'm sorry, sir. But you need to behave like a leader. But I am behaving like a leader. I'm unavailable. I am as unavailable to you as is your own president. Hello, listening people. Hello, listening people. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents Pictures Powwow. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I'm Powwow Bartek. Powwow Bartek, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing very well. We're doing the show Pictures Powwow, our newer weekly show. At what point do I not have to say new? Like, how many episodes in do I not have to say new? Well, if we can stop next episode, we'll both have, like, two episodes of each of the three cycle types. Double digits? Should we wait till double digits? I mean, I, I was going with seven, but... Seven's a lucky number. How long how, how long did we call Unappreciated Masterpieces new? Well, it was different then, because it was the only. Mm. So, that's different. But that's a whole conversation off the podcast, probably. Yes. Bartek... We're spin posh, likingly, because we're always spitting, and we both happen to be Polish. Just a coincidence. It's a quinky dink, as they say in Polish. Uh, Bartek, we are doing Pictures Power, the show in which we cover a movie that has come highly recommended, whether it's be being recommended from you, me, or the listening people yes. at home, and or on the train, or in a grave, a shallow grave, on the that I dug for them. <laughs> And that's what I meant by the three cycle types. There's the me, the you, and the listening people, which is the you listening to me now. And um, which one recommended for this episode? This one is the listening people's choice, the second ever one. Yes, that's right. It got recommended from a fellow podcast, the Contrarians podcast, yes. in which they're very contrarian to everything. If it's good, uh, it's bad. Exactly, and if it's bad, it's good. Yeah. Um, this one came recommended from from them. Uh, I do believe from Julio from there, but I uh, I can't remember. It was just from Twitter, so I don't know which one. And what or did, both or uh, both of them were like? <laughs> now is the time for War Machine 2017 <laughs> with Bradley Pitt. And what did they think? And was it in character or not? Um, I do not know. <laughs> I found. The, one of them has a letterboxed, and it's very hard to take it seriously when they give a higher rating to Venom than they did to True Stories. So, mm, That means they like True Stories more? No, a higher rating yeah, to Venom but than True Stories. But they're being sto- contrarian. Well, whether we know that or not. Right. See, this is the problem contrarian podcast. You need to separate the fact from the fiction. I'm going to stamp my feeding over all those They gave this four and a half out of five stars. War Machine. Okay. So we're doing the film War Machine, 2017, Netflix original film. Boy and the Machine. Is that what it is? Maybe. That, I'm <laughs> translating War and Machine. I don't know if that's the actual <laughs> so you could, title. So you could have just said yes, and no one would have fact-checked But I'm you. honest. Are you, though? Yes. Transparency is key. Transparency is key? I said transparency, but yes, transparency. Yeah, I know. I was, I was <laughs> yeah. being nice and trying to I know, but I'm you. being uh, but I'm being honest. So this is a film directed and written by uh, the man who did Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bartek, I don't know if you looked up this gentleman. He's Australian, of course. And mm-hmm. we have a few Australian actors in here as well. One of which was a prominent role in Speed Racer. We'll get to that. Yum yum. Uh, yum yum indeed. There was, a, there was um, I think the film was narrated by a guy that wasn't sleepless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scoot McNary. Yeah. Um, that name. I was like, I know this name. Scoot. But what was he in? Scoot McNary. There's a few returning uh celebrity appearances in this movie, but uh, uh. Yeah, you're talking about the director. The director writer. Uh, um, he. You will be. I hope you're on your seat, Bartzak, because this is going to shock you. Um, he's gone on to write the screenplays for the TV adaptation of Catch Twenty Two. I don't know if you could pick up that this was probably his preamble to get that job, by any chance, because um, I don't know if you felt this, but this did feel very uh, Catch Twenty Two inspired type of material, where it's war is crazy, but isn't it funny? But also incredibly depressing. That's what I felt. Mm-hmm. Bartek, were you familiar with this film before having to go in? I had not heard of it until you told me. I think I learned of it 
in the recording of our last episode, so you can hear my whatever my reaction was. Okay, okay. <laughs> so last week I told you it had Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and it was made by the guy who did Animal Kingdom. Have you seen Animal Kingdom? I have actually. Yeah. Oh, good. I love Animal Kingdom. I remember liking it. Yeah. It was cool. Oh, Ben Mendelsohn. <sighs> so good. I think our friend Reese lent me a DVD. And copy. Jackie Weaver, who I have met in real life one time, and proceeded to ignore. It was oh, like, hey, Ryan, just, yeah. this is Jackie Weaver. And I was waiting to see Barry Humphreys at his farewell tour. And I was like, oh, it's Jackie Weaver. And then I proceeded to then turn around and do something else, like just wait. Because it was like, I didn't know who Jackie, like Jackie Weaver was always like one of those Australian actresses who was just around, but never rose to anything of prominence. And I didn't know about Animal Kingdom then because it was just around the time it probably finished its run in cinemas. But mm-hmm. You know, the word of mouth didn't really generate for that until, like, a little while later, I feel. But I didn't know about War Machine either until recommended it. I saw Brad Pitt was there. I saw Animal Kingdom guy was there. I had some expectations. And then I saw the poster, or the thumbnail, I should say, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then I had some different expectations. Was the th- was the thumbnail just a bunch of guys standing in the Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Bartek, did you have any I, uh, any inklings of what you were going to get into before seeing it? Uh, the only thing I really had was uh, we did we did meet up yesterday for other business, and uh, you mentioned like, oh, we're going to watch War Machine, and you listed like a couple of people that are in it. You're like, oh, it's got Brad Pitt and Topher Grace. I'm like, oh yeah, Topher Grace. I remember you telling me he was in that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't look up what the plot was at all, really. But when you clicked on Netflix and saw the little thumbnail. Did, did oh, yeah, yeah, any... yeah. Netflix had, like, um three um, tags or genres yeah. there. One of them was, like, comedy inspired by a book adapted <laughs> from something else and also said, like, comedy. I'm like, oh, this is a comedy film? Right. Because one, one of the things that I was thinking to myself walking in was, um oh, it's, it's a war film. So yep. is it going to be, like, dreary or something like right. that? And it, I thought that too. Yeah. I saw by the guy who did Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom's a depressing movie. It's fun. I love Animal Kingdom, but you wouldn't say it's an upbeat film by any stretch of the imagination. Animal Kingdom is a bit of a dour movie, a bit of a downer. I thought we were going to get that. And I saw Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt, he could go either way. And know? I also was thinking, like, oh, wasn't he in Fury as well around the Yeah, time? Fury. Yeah. And uh, then I saw the, the poster, the thumbnail. And it immediately kicked me into another place. I didn't see those tags. I saw Brad Pitt, Topher Grace, and all these dudes standing in comedy poses. Uh, If you look at the picture, Brad Pitt's pulling one of those, my boy, faces, and Topher Grace is just standing there, like, on his phone or something, being like, I'm busy. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies. It's going to be... Like that TV show Enlisted with, uh, was it Keith David or the guy from Ghostbusters? I can't remember which one. And it's like, is it going to be one of those ones where it feels more like a TV pilot for a sitcom that should be made? Mm-hmm. And then I worried because I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be more of a serious movie. And then the movie starts. <laughs> With that, what was it, the rock music? Or was that and it was up? like 50 minutes of Scoot McNary narrating. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, okay. Now, Bartek, what did you think of this movie? Um, I, I had a good time with it. I had a good time with it. Um, obviously, I, I was surprised a bit at the beginning at how... It wasn't as dreary as I was expecting. Um, mm-hmm. It introduced a bunch of characters very quickly, and normally when that happens, I struggle to still remember everyone because yep. you know they're all you know men wearing the same uniform basically. And, and let's be honest, some of them aren't actors we're familiar with, so that of kind course, of yeah. helps reduce that reduces the knowledgeability of a character. Like I only remember Topher Grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Out of, like, the familiar faces of, like, the his men. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I didn't struggle too much to remember most of them. Uh, there was still some stuff going on there, but but I, I managed well. Like, oh, yes, this is the guy that, like, handles his... Uh, luggage. You know, luggage and appointments. This is his number two guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't struggle too hard with that aspect of the film. Um... Yeah, so 
is that is that what you're all looking for me to say? Did you enjoy it? Did you like it? I, is it a good movie for you? I I had a good time with it. Yes. Yes. But is it a good movie for you? I think it was all right. All right. Yeah. Why just all right? I'm curious because you're like you're having a good time. You seem pretty buzzed. Mm. But why does it just fall as it's all right? I think maybe I just watched it a bit too late, but I, I it's not like I didn't pay attention. I actually, it, it, early on, it explained a bunch of things about, like, insurgencies and occupations mm-hmm. of countries. and just Oh, just to establish this for everyone, this is an Afghanistan war uh, set Movie. film. Yeah, to give a basic summary of it, it is uh, partly inspired by true figures and true events. Apparently most of the characters are literally substitutes of real-life people. Yeah, yeah, there's a loose... You know, like, obviously there are people you could point out, but this I read is tri- taken yeah. for comedy. Yeah, I read a trivia point that said that President Obama and the President of Afghanistan are, like, the only two real people in this yeah. that aren't substituted. Exactly. So, it's basically a comedic interpretation of the absurdity and bureaucracy and the changing of tides of the Afghanistan war. Yeah. And uh, what I was just going to say there before I mentioned that was that uh, early on they explained a bunch of concepts that I didn't know, uh, I vaguely knew about mm-hmm. regarding um, what America was doing in Afghanistan and That's right, yeah. and all this stuff about insurgencies, which I can even tie to like when we watched War Story and you know there were this was back on the mystery box and they were just like fixing up a village. I'm like, well, yep. weren't they at war? It explained those concepts actually pretty pretty well to me, and I understood what they were trying to do and why they were frustrated. Yeah, you know what I find very interesting about this movie? Mm-hmm. It's written and directed by an Australian man. Yeah. And, of course, Australia took part in this war as well. I'm, I'm not going to deny our involvement. But as an Australian, and as a young Australian who grew up during... The war on terror. Yeah, the 2000s. Um, it always seemed vague yeah. and didn't seem like it really concerned us. It seemed like it was this American thing. Yeah, and America's such a big deal in the world that you hear right. about it a lot. And so it's kind of interesting that this comedic satire takedown analysis dissection of the war on terror, the Afghanistan war, is done by an Australian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels so American, this movie. While Animal Kingdom's very Australian. Yep. You know, so I find it very interesting that this guy, uh, he 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 can he can adapt to these different cultural things. I find that very refreshing and unique. Uh, but Bartek, so there was these interesting things that you learned about about the war itself. Yes, and by extension, that means that the world building of the film was. Pretty good, in my pretty, opinion. Pretty good. What about the characters themselves? I mean, primarily the main character, because yep. he's the one that actually gets a character. I think Brad Pitt did a great job in this film. Mm, I, okay. I, like I said, the world building was good. His position and his past were explained well. Um, you know, he he's built up in the very beginning of this film to be just this like invincible, p- almost perfect soldier guy. Yeah, and he's got the responsibility. Um. He's basically in charge of the Afghanistan yeah. situation. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, he's, he's the guy. Yep, yeah, and it's built up at the beginning like, oh, he knows how to get things done. He looks at this idea of counterinsurgency and they say... It's impossible. Oh, it's impossible. And his opinion is it's you only think that because no one's done it right. Yeah, and his I'll com- do it right. Yeah, and his confidence seems to imply to me like, oh, okay, so he's going to make some good headway in this film. And just things keep not going his way... And I really felt for his frustration throughout the film. And eventually they even bring his wife into the picture and there's just a lot of sadness going on there. Here's the thing too, though. Yeah? It's not just that he's unable to do what he wants to do. Mm. There's also the big question in the movie of, is what he wants to... Does he even know what he wants to do? We never get the fullest idea of what his actual plans are. Yeah. There's even a bit where he's looking at the news and they have, like, McMahon... Was it McMahon or McMahon's plan? Question mark? Like, nobody fully knows. And even if you do know, the big question is, is it right? Is it right? Like, if he did succeed, there's that whole Tilda Swinton scene. 
uh, where she's like the German senator lady. Oh, yep, yep. And that whole scene is basically a dissection of that Americana kind of like, uh, you know, warmongering, like, I'll get the job done right kind of thing, which Brad Pitt has. And it's basically questioning, even if he did get things to go his way, would it solve anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's As right. well as... It's a frustration of him not being able to do anything, but also the frustration of himself realizing, as well as us, the audience, that even if he did, would it change anything? Mm. Would it actually work? That's true, yeah. But the whole thing was that he couldn't even get a step ahead because things just kept going wrong. Yeah, and when he did, and as a main step ca- backs yeah. as well. Yeah. Like, he got his soldiers, but then also Obama said this, and you're like... Ugh. Oh, dude, when he was watching the real Obama giving a speech on the TV and just like... The elliptical machine just going mm-hmm. faster and faster. I was like, oh man, I could feel his fury there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fury. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, didn't think that. Uh, so, you uh, would, you seem to really, you know, the more we talk about it, the more you seem to enjoy it. That's why I was a bit thrown off with you, like, it's all right. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I return the question to you, Ryan. Did you like the film? No. No. I respect it. Mm. But I don't like it. I have a big problem with this movie, and... The best way I can describe this movie, and I said this while watching it, and my fiance was like, that is the perfect word to describe this. It's scattershot. Mm-hmm. It's tonally all over the place. Yep. It relies too much on certain writing gimmicks. The narrator character, for instance, we talked about in our last episode of True Stories, and we talked about it in, in uh, Two Hands about the positive and negatives of having a, a, an omnipresent narration character and how sometimes you need one, and if you implement them correctly, they're essential, like in true stories. But in other instances, they can be a distraction and a, a writing tool, and it reminds you that it's a tool, like in Two Hands. Yeah. Uh, this movie falls into the Two Hands category for me. I think it relies too much on narration, the narrator character himself, Scoot McNary, I like the actor, but he doesn't do anything. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I kept forgetting who the narrator was. We didn't know who he was until we physically met him. Yeah. And and that's like near the end of the movie. That's yeah. like when he's going to the banquet in Europe, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's a while into this over two hour movie. Mm. It's too long, but also too short. It's totally all over the place for me. Yeah. Brad Pitt's performance is divisive. His, his accent, yeah, that, that really threw me off a lot. I've seen him do that accent before, so I wasn't thrown by that. But it's his whole performance was divisive for me. Mm. Um, we're introduced to too many characters and yep. never get to know any of them. Yep. And yet the I film agree. feels like you should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I respect the analysis that it's trying to do. I, I didn't find it funny ever. I never laughed. I saw the humorous yeah. situations it was trying to accomplish... Brad Pitt is a very skilled comedic performer when he when he's given the right material, and there's so are so many other people in this movie. Uh, like uh, Griffin Dunn is in this movie as one of the like uh, civilian like men in ties, and he was uh, great in Straight Talk as like Dolly Parton's agent guy that was a dick. Mm-hmm. So you had him, and he's he, we know he's good, and same with Alan Ruck, who plays the guy who's like, there are going to be no parades for you. That's Cameron from Ferris Bueller. All right, 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 because he was he was in his mid thirties when he did Ferris Bueller. Yes, I so remember that. Yeah, we know he's a good comedic actor, and so many other things, but the comedy never landed for me. Like I could see what they were doing. Ben Kingsley was hamming it up again. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. No. I thought it needed to get a few drafts redone. Yeah. It needed... It was scattershot. There was a lot of great scenes, great moments, great character moments. But it didn't ring true for me entirely because it didn't know which foot it wanted to have in which direction. That elliptical scene, for instance. Yeah. It was a great scene. But the problem is... I didn't know if it was going to be a comedic scene or a serious scene. Yeah. Because I was waiting for him to keep doing it until something funny happened. But it just cut away. But it cut away and it was good dramatically. But the problem is the film always sets up this unsure tone of, is this going to be comedic or is this going to be serious? Hmm. And the comedy didn't land for me. So it was a worry when it was going to be set up as comedic. Of course, you can have some characters that are purely comedic. Like I think uh, Topher Grace 
should have been just a purely comedic character and he did serve that purpose for the most part because he is a good comedic actor to for grace a mm-hmm. lot of people have given him shit over the years but i've always thought that he was the glue that held that 70s show together yeah, he was great and once he left that show fell apart um brad pitt's performance was a performance yeah I never got past the illusion yeah, that it was a performance. Def- like I said, with the accent thing, because I recently heard him in a different film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. and I could feel the accent being put on. He's doing his accent from Inglourious Bastards, basically. A little less cartoony, yeah, but it's yeah. still that accent. The same kind of energy, yeah. I like the character. I think there's a lot of good things here. I like the character. I like the journey the character goes through. I like his wife. Did you feel for him? Yes, but there's an asterisk there, you know, like it's yeah. it's always a yes, but the problem is I wanted it to be one of two ways it could have gone. Here's the best way I could describe this of it falls in the middle of these two paths it could have gone down. Yeah. Let's go down the comedy path of how this movie could have gone or should have gone, you could argue. It could have gone the way of the biting satire and silliness of something like the guy who does the thick of it or in the loop or the death of Stalin, mm-hmm. like that kind of comedy with the searing satirization and real world tragedies of war. I mean, if you've seen death of Stalin, that movie captures all of that and it's still a very funny movie, Yeah, but it captures the horrors of things. Could have been that. In fact, at times it felt like this was, a rejected script for that guy who does those. Like, he could have done this. Mm-hmm. Or, the other way, a dramatic character study movie like the George C. Scott film Patton. This film kept reminding me of the film Patton, which is obviously about the great general, General Patton, yep. who my grandfather met <laughs> in Poland. Yeah, you've told me He was story. one of the liberators of Poland. And he was driving around in his little car, which is quite... Speeding around in his car, which is funny, because that's what killed Patton in the end. He, he crashed in his car, and he was known for being a speed demon. It could have gone that way. Well, that movie's like a three-hour epic character study movie in which it shows this well-respected leader, but his flaws of not understanding the bureaucratic nature of what modern war is becoming. Yeah. That was a World War Two movie. This could have been a modern take on that. Brad Pitt's a great performer. It could have gone down that road. I would say if you liked War Machine, I would say check out Patton with George C. Scott. You will get a very good version of what this movie's trying to do. But I think Patton is the way that I personally think it could have gone. It should have gone down that road. Patton is a fun movie as well. It's got levity. It's got humorous things, but it's got serious things. And it's a more serious, dramatic film. It's almost three hours long, but it is worth the time it flies by. That's my big problem. It feels like it's in the middle. Right, yeah, should have picked one. You know what film it reminds me of? Which one? The Men Who Stare at Goats. Mm-hmm. You remember that one? I haven't seen it, though. But do you remember it? I know of it. Yeah. A little bit. Where that's also based partly on true events, and but they redo it for this comedic, weird, like, Coen Brothers-esque tone, but it's not actually a Coen Brothers movie, but it's not really not a Coen, like, it could have gone one way or the other. That's this movie. That's this movie. Yeah. For me. For me. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the characters. Don't give me... Well, the character of Brad Pitt's character. What did they call him? They had 15 million names for him and they never used them. There was like yeah. Big Glenn. It was Glenn, right? Uh, yeah, Glenn McMahon. Glenn... Glennable. Like, they had all of these names and Just they never got too. dropped ever in the movie. <laughs> Um, I don't want to seem like I'm harshing the buzz. I did enjoy this movie. There were very poignant scenes that struck a chord with me. Like, I really, really got emotional gut punch in a good way. Not in a sour or depressing way. A good way when he was in the car with his wife. Yeah. After the after shit has gone bad for him. And he's shutting down. And she's asking him not to shut down. It's her last day here. Come on, let's be, be together. And... You can see in Brad's face that he's struggling, but he reaches his hand out and grabs her hand. That's perfect. Mm. The scene with uh, uh, with Alan with Alan Ruck on the plane, where they're having that back and forth about the you know no parades and whatnot. Great scene. It made me feel something for Brad Pitt's character. Or 
the many scenes of Brad Pitt running and how at first these seem like triumphant things, like isn't he in charge of everything? And then at the end it becomes like this really dour, sad, kind of like he's really isolated and doesn't understand his place in the world. Hmm. I also like the comedic tone of like, there was a general before him and then he gets replaced with another one after he leaves and they're all the same. Yeah, There's no difference between these men. <clears throat> like, yeah, and it's Russell Crowe. Yeah, Bob. Bob. I like that, but it didn't work. Mm. And it did feel like this was a preamble, a warm-up for the writer to do the series of Catch-22. Because this does feel like kind of like Catch-22, but Catch-22 for dummies. And I don't want to say that this movie's dumb... I'm just saying that this movie isn't as uh, decisive as it could have been. Yes, sure. I know, definitely, because um, for those of you that haven't seen it, this is a war film, and you imagine, like, oh, a war film, there's going to be a lot of, you know, soldiers running and gunning and mm. killing. Yeah, depending, yeah. There is, like, one notable sequence in the film where there is kind of warfare going on with a bunch of the young soldiers that were introduced. Yeah, with, uh, what's her name, Will Porter and uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, I, I don't know the actors' names, but um, it happens near the end of the film, and it just feels completely different from the rest of the film. Yeah, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. It felt like, where, why are we not on Brad Pitt anymore? Hmm. It was like a solid 10 minutes where we're no longer with Brad. It was feels, it 10 minutes? Felt longer. If I'm just being generous. <laughs> generous, yeah. Uh, I didn't count the minutes, but like, you know, let's say 10 minutes mm-hmm. or so with no Brad Pitt. And he's our central character and we're doing an amazing little character study on him considering my problems with the movie. I still think the character study is interesting. That's why I'm saying. It needs to go one way or the other. It needs to put its foot on one path or put it on the other. Like, it, it's in the middle. Like... It could be a great character study movie, or it could be a great comedic satire movie, but it wants to be both. Mm. And I'm not saying it can't be, but it just doesn't have the backbone strong enough to lift the weight of the burden of those two things at once. Mm. That whole insurgency fighting scene, visually interesting, sure. I thought these were interesting things. We already established these characters, but it felt like if this was a better movie... It would have just cut to Brad finding out about it and then him being at the house and apologizing. Yeah. And him then getting that whole speech back at him from the people where it was like, get out, basically. Yeah, it felt like it was the whole scene was meant to be some sort of payoff to the Cole character, the, the young black guy. Yeah, but I didn't care about him. Yeah, I didn't. Like, uh, he, they, wasn't, they set... he wasn't a character to me. Yeah. He was established, but that doesn't mean I care. He was established and it felt like, okay, there are ideas there of like his uncertainty and you know what could happen as a result of that. But then he just gets in the scene. The payoff was ma- mainly that he just gets angry, leaves, and kills some guys. Yeah, I thought that was going to be more of a dramatic thing. Like maybe. And we didn't see him again after that, did we? No, not really. I, I don't think so. I think there would have been a. See, that's the problem. Would it have been more interesting, say, if one, he just left hmm. and maybe died? Yeah. Retreating because he was so confused about the insanity that was the Afghanistan war. Or two, which they had established, he was the one that killed that kid. Because well, they do do that where he was the one that shot the grenade and yeah, that exploded the, the, the ceiling room. And the, but but yeah. that's not as poignant as say maybe if he stormed in and recklessly shot the kid. Yeah. And that kind of ties back into the you can't just kill people because of you know what I mean? Like that was the whole point of like, his character's conflict was they all look the same, they all want to kill us and it's like, No, you can't just shoot people. You gotta have your you, wits about. You gotta you, be yeah. unconfused. Yeah. Like, and that would have been a nice little payoff of of that idea of can one untangle the insanity that is this particular war mm-hmm. when they're the boots on the ground? Maybe not. Maybe that could have been something. But instead, it's like, oh, isn't it kind of dramatically ir- ironic that the the hero moment for that character led to the death of a kid with the grenade thing? But and he like, technically killed him before he stormed out anyway. So, so but but it just didn't hit the same punch. I know because it yeah. didn't hit that same message that the film was deriving the entire time. Hmm. Because how were they supposed to know that they were inside that building? And I know you could make these arguments where it's like, oh, that makes it more tragic or whatever. But for a film, it just didn't land. 
yeah. that moment. It just felt like, oh, I see what you're trying to do here. But it didn't work in the same way w- maybe what I just suggested, one of those two options. Mm. Um, no, I just didn't like it in the end. Like, I respect it. I, th- I was thinking about it a lot last night. But my big problem is it's just scattershot. It just doesn't... It just kind of shoots in multiple directions. It just doesn't really... Yeah. Want to decide which way it wants to go. I remember when it ended, it was like, oh, that's that's the end then. I mean, I thought the ending itself was fine, where it's like, mm. you spit them out and no, you yeah, bring yeah, someone yeah. else it, in. But It was very blunt, and I appreciate that. But <sighs> but it was like, oh, that was the journey then. Yeah. It... Did you find it funny? Uh, when you mentioned you didn't laugh, I think to myself that, you know what, maybe I didn't actually laugh either. Like, I could see some things were like, oh, yeah, that's a little funny, I guess. But no, no outright laughs, I reckon. But did you find it funny, though? In general? Would would you say this is... Again, not laugh-worthy, so... No, I don't really know, think I'd recommend this as a comedy. But it is. But it is, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah no I can't remember a single joke I really like, other wasn't than a joke. Ben, uh, other than Ben Kingsley trying to plug in his TV because that was just player. so stupid yeah. that it just brought itself to my memory. But Ryan he he sneezed on on Brad Pitt. Did you find that funny? The bad thing about that scene is that scene's really good, but they're playing it for comedy. That whole bit at the end where it was like it was never really my decision anyway. You know that. Mm. That's such a good scene, yeah. but it's introduced and played so silly for a lot of it, and it's it just begins like... and ends with Dumb and Dumber. I think that was Dumb and Dumber, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it's like you have a good scene here, but you're executing it in the wrong way at times. Like it's just not working. It didn't work. Mm. I like that sentiment. Heck, I might even play that scene or bit of it at the start of this episode. But like. It's a lot of that. Mm. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of, hey, do you remember that this is a movie? Brad Pitt's doing that hand gesture we said he would do. He's doing that voice. He's pulling faces all the time. And I've seen people go, oh, well, you know, obviously people are going to get distracted by bad Brad Pitt's performance, but it's actually a brilliant performance. I'm not denying that he has brilliance in this performance, but I feel like the director needed to say, pull back. Because there were scenes in which he's doing the silly face, and it and it was played for comedy, right? Like like there's that scene where where the two civilian guys interrupt one another when explaining something or other, and he's like leaning forward, looking at him and doing a silly face, and then once one of them starts talking, he repositions his whole entire body and posture and points his dumb face at the guy talking, and then he proceeds to do that for the next one. When we first meet, oh yeah, I think I remember right? that. Yeah, and that's okay. Like I understand the silliness of his facial acting there because that scene's trying to be more for comedy. But why does he pull silly, weird, awkward faces in some of the more dramatic scenes? And maybe you could argue that this character has kind of like an awkward facial tick thing going on that ties into his mental thing. But why is he like that when at the beginning his character is nothing but strong and confident in oneself? Mm. Never do you understand a weakness of him as an individual until the movie shows the weakness of his position with the whole war itself. But him as a person doesn't. This is when I go to Patton again. Patton, that movie shows the weaknesses of that character. Like his arrogance is his one of his weaknesses. Like in that movie and in his real life, he slapped two soldiers and called them cowards. And that nearly got him cost his, his whole entire career. Right. Yeah. That's a great weakness. And that character Patton in that movie, he believes in Eastern spirituality and he believes in reincarnation and he has like these tenderness of love of poetry and like, like he has these things that go against that gruff general nature, Very but also, things, yeah. but also he's an asshole killing machine who refuses to obey or like these are the things. But Brad Pitt, he seems just like he's a good guy the whole time. They even say Tilda Swinton says, "I don't." I don't think that you're not a good man. You are a good man, but this, this, this. He's just got too much on his plate. But that's it. He he doesn't. Why does he have this awkward facial tick stuff? Like he's got this anxiety, I guess, disorder or something rather. Like 
if you're going to argue that the facial thing isn't just for the comedy scenes, like it's not just to do comedy, but it's also to show his weakness, like awkwardness. But his character never really truly displays that until like near the end of the movie when shit's going real bad for him. So why is he doing it at the start? Mm. He's just a machine. A war, a war machine. machine. A killing machine, they call him in the movie. I don't even remember them saying the title. I don't know if they... I remember, um, yeah, their killing machine. His his right-hand man called him that, like, patting him on his the back. His best friend. You're a killing machine! Yeah. Was he played by... Anth- was he the one played by Anthony Michael Hall? I believe so. Yeah. Um. Here's another problem I have, and I don't want to just keep railing on these problems, but they had too many characters. We mentioned this. Yes. Why do you think they had so many characters? With this kind of with with having so many characters, it almost implies that it's meant to be like an ensemble thing, or mm. like you're gonna really get to know all these guys. Um, I don't yeah. know. It, it felt like a big setup, but much like with the Cole character, what what really is the payoff? Or with the reporter character played by Scoot McNary, there's a, uh, there are payoffs somewhat, but what's the point? Mm. Why didn't it feels like they should have condensed the characters? Like when you introduced earlier the type of characters that he's surrounded by, you inadvertently Bartek, and if you re-listen to this, you will notice this. You inadvertently combined characters' roles together. Did I? You were like, he oh, has the, the character the that carries, carries his bag, bag and who's, the appointments. Who's the appointments, and then he has his second in charge. When actually, his second in charge is the guy who does his appointments. And there's a whole guy to carry his bags. And then there's his best friend from school. And then there's the guy who's a... Wait, wasn't the best friend the second in charge? No, no, no. Like, he was second power-wise in charge, I guess. But, like, his right-hand man, his second in charge, was the guy who did his appointments. That was, like, his go-to guy. Oh, I didn't know he was second in charge. I thought he was just a secretary guy. I don't know. Maybe if we re-listen to it, but the problem is there's too many characters there. Yeah. Like, why do we have was it Duckman or whatever the the the, the I'll take you marine it. guy who they're like, why are you fat? The guy gets really angry a lot. That not to get confused with his best friend who yeah, gets angry a lot. The best friend's the one that I think was. Why angry. do they have the guy who carries his bags? Why do they have like? Here's what I think they should have done. They should have guy had the guy who carries his bags and the guy who makes his appointments combined to one character. Yes. They should have had the angry guy and the marine guy combine them to one character. Leave Topher Grace. Yep. And leave the admiral who does the PR stuff. Mm-hmm. Because Topher Grace and the admiral clash with one another because they approach these issues at a different point. Yes. Get rid of the IT guy altogether. Uh, you remember the IT guy? The black guy? The young black guy who helps him oh, yeah, pretend yeah, yeah. like Skype yeah, isn't yeah. working? See... You looked at me blankly for quite some time as I described most of his features until I described the one scene he was in that yeah. really he mattered. Get rid of him. When you said black guy, I was like, oh, yes, yes, from the Skype or the yeah. conversation. Yeah. See what I mean? You condensed so many characters right then. Introduce the wife earlier into the movie, or at least introduce her existence. Introduce I don't remember the fact that he was married. I don't remember them mentioning he had a wife in the 50 minutes of narration. Mm. Maybe I missed that in the I w- 50... I honestly think that if you combine the narration and how many minutes it covers in the movie, it will be over 50% of this uh, movie. Possibly, yeah. I, I With the wife thing, um, I'm pretty sure they didn't establish her until they said your wife's in another room. yeah. yeah. With that, I at least felt there was a bit of a an emotional punch there of like, oh my god, this guy also has a wife. So it was like a, another thing that he had to worry about, but I guess he could argue that like not having it established earlier could also yeah. be a bad thing. Yeah, uh, I, I am going to argue that because as you just said, like, oh, and they established and you're like, oh, you said that with a bit of emotion in your voice. I didn't feel any emotion for him when he's like, oh, and your wife's here. Oh, no, more problems. Like, I, I didn't, I just went... Oh, he has a wife? I wonder who, what celebrity that's going to be played by. Like, that was where my thought was. Because this movie has pointless celebrity appearances throughout. Yeah, Ross Crowe wasn't even credited, from what I remember. Tilda Swinton. Swinton. Yeah, Tilda Swinton's in this movie. It has fucking Scoot McNary. Like, you know, well-known actors or well-known character actors are just popping up for no reason. Topher Grace is completely wasted. Once they actually used his character, you were like, yes, Topher's nailing this. But they didn't do anything with him, really, in the mm. end, properly. 
Yeah, they intro- like they introduced him like in an interesting way. Like he wasn't like a war. Guy. No, he was a profiteering asshole. <laughs> yeah, and then when you saw him just in uniform doing like you know playing it really straight as like a guy in a in a squadron, it's like oh, what happened to that like kind of sassy character we had? And they do have it sometimes, but it's only when they try and focus on him. Why do they have uh, Ben Kingsley other than? Ben Kingsley is ethnically diverse and we can have him play any race because we couldn't get Alfred Molina that day. Mm. Why Ben Kingsley? Why did it matter? Why did they have the um the Afghan guy? The oh, Badi or whatever his name was? Badi? Yeah, other than for him to be a fun little goofy character and for them to at least pretend like they tried to give a shit about the country. But also, really, let's be honest, that character only exists for one real mo- reason, and it's the dinner table scene. Mm. That's the only reason he exists it's like, as it's, a character. Yeah, one of those, like, um, oh, I have a black friend kind of thing going on. It exists purely for the fact that it feels like they had that scene in mind and had to work backwards. Mm. And then they still had a gag of, like, actually, this guy is also from Afghanistan. Which I hated. Yeah. I thought it ruined the scene. I thought it was a great dramatic scene. See what I mean by that? Yeah. When you had the elliptical scene or any of those scenes, I couldn't take them seriously because there's always the worry that it's going to be undercut or through line with jokes that I don't find amusing and deflate the the serious implications or interesting character studies of the scenes, individual scenes or moments. Yeah, and that one there with the whole ambassadors also from Afghanistan thing, it's not like they even reacted to it. No. They just said it and it was a thing of like, oh, okay, well that kind of undercuts, you know, the dramatic yelling we just had. No, they they do... Uh, I mean, the ambassador reacts, but that's it. Like, mm. he's like, yeah, I'm here. And that's it. And then they undercut that more so with having Buddy come back and be like, oh, that was weird, wasn't it? Oh, boy. The guy who took his seat was the guy from Speed Racer, the the mechanic that they had in Speed Racer. Was he the best friend? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Australian yeah. guy whose name is Kick. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that was him. Uh, I appreciate seeing that, that that this Australian creative team is still bringing some Australian talent along with them as they progress in their careers. Like they start with Animal Kingdom, and they do this, and they still bring some Australian talent along. I mean, Russell Crowe's in the movie. I know you could argue he's New Zealand, but he's mainly lived in Australia and his career thrived from Australia, so don't give me that shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It just... I like this whole idea that they're exploring of, like, can one win a war this way when now war no longer has the identifiable identifiably clear bad guys like mm. there's no uniforms anymore people are civilians don't operate within the rules and the chaos of military rules and ca- you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah. just that stuff's interesting that stuff is fascinating you know they, but... yeah and even in the setup with cole there was the whole thing of like every second third or tenth guy is trying to kill me kind of thing so yeah no identifiable bad guy yeah, I don't know. Brad Pitt's performance is divisive because I like his performance at times, but then at times it's like really distracting. He's pulling faces. He's doing that cigar holding hand gesture. He's he's he he's walking funny. I don't know. It felt like at times he was told you're in a comedy, play it like it's a comedy, and then at other times he was like, now this is dramatic, play it like it's dramatic, and it just doesn't work. You can't just flick the switch on and off constantly like that unless you've got a very skilled performer and a very skilled hand and I don't think that this movie has that going on like Brad Pitt's a skilled performer but I said he's a pretty good comedic performer but he's more of a dramatic performer and his comedy comes from the fact it's Brad Pitt doing it Hmm. right like when you see Glorious Bastards and he's playing a cartoon and that a part of it's a music because it is prestigious actor Brad Pitt could you say that about Cutting Class? Oh, he was serious in Cutting Class. <laughs> he was dead serious in his fuck first you, movie. Fuck, fuck you, you, and fuck you. Well, fuck you too. You can't swear in front of students at students, sir. Well, fuck you. And then he throws his backpack and it bounces off a trampoline. Well, that was serious, though. That, that's what made that funny. First leading role. First leading role. He was a hunk. 
He couldn't get out of a vice. <laughs> he just didn't know how to unscrew it. What were his favorite snacks? Apples, beer, yeah, and, and ice cream. cream. <laughs> <laughs> On a Friday night, Brad Pitt, as a teenager, drank beer, ate ice cream, and apples. Oh, boy. Cutting class. What a movie. <laughs> but I don't know. I just didn't like it. Yeah, fair enough. I want to. This came recommended. I saw that the people recommending this seemed to like it, and I... And I tried to really think about it. I, I I tried, and I like the, I like Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Haven't watched the new Catch Twenty Two yet. I'm currently re reading slash listening to the Catch Twenty Two book again, and maybe that has also influenced my judgment of this movie because I can see that this movie is trying to be a catch like the novel Catch-22. Whereas I haven't watched or read or done anything. I've only heard you talk about Catch-22. That's and my experience with it. This doesn't capture anything close to the insanity, the humour, and the tragedy of that novel. And Nor am I expecting it to, but the film does feel like it is. And then you find out that he has later gone on to write. The next project he does is Catch-22, so it does just feel like he was warming up. It's like when you watch the Abram Star Trek movies... And you know that this is by a person who's just getting warmed up to do Star Wars. They don't care about Star Trek. And I'm not saying that this guy didn't care about this project or he didn't care about uh, adapting the novel that this was based on. Um, the story that this was based on, which was called the... They say oh, in uh, Operators? The Operators. They say the title in the movie. Yeah. They say that title, and I remember it more than War Machine. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about with this movie? Any scenes, characters, issues, pros, cons, all that kind of stuff, Martin? Honestly, after I finished watching it and I was thinking about when we were going to do this episode, I was wondering, yeah, what will be the big things that we'll talk about? And honestly, it's just kind of come up through our conversation. So I, I, we've already talked about the the combat scene, which stuck out as, sore th- uh, as a, like a sore thumb, as you said. Mm. Um... I liked hearing Topher Grace say fuck. I liked it too. He's a great actor. I've always defended that guy. And then when he did Black Klansman, everyone realized that he's been a great actor the entire time, comedic or serious. I've always thought, yeah, he did Venom and people didn't like Eddie Brock and that. And uh, Specifically everyone, he did Spider-Man 3 where he played Venom. No, I want him to be in the Tom Hardy Venom as Venom. He's the voice of Venom. Don't say anything about Tom Hardy. People got pissed last time. (laughs) Yeah, people were like, Tom Hardy's five foot nine. How dare you tell facts? But I don't know. (sighs) Topher Grace, I liked him in the movie. Mm. Wish he had a more prominent role. I wish he... And I said at the start, this does feel like a TV pilot. It feels like this should have been a TV series. Yeah, on Netflix, maybe. yeah, Give it more Brad time Pitt to discovers more... this journey that he's going through in this movie. It does feel like this movie's too long. The pacing's all over the place, but it also feels too short. Mm. I know that when I heard it was War Machine, I was dreading that it was going to be as long as Dark Knight Rises. So when I saw it was only two hours, there was actually a sort of relief. There, it's like, oh, it's not going to be as long as I was dreading. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's a problem sometimes. We go into the world thinking that a long movie is going to be something to dread. But Mm. the problem is actually, no, it's how a movie is paced. Because for me, this movie is just over two hours, and it felt long. It's not that I hate long things. I watch Bollywood films. It's just that I've seen a few long things recently, and I was like, oh, I'm not in the mood for another one. Yeah, you saw the new Tarantino. We did Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. I would suggest checking out something like In the Loop. The Death of Stalin, if you're going for... If that you're one I've interested been see. in seeing a more a skilled comedic take on the same ideas or issues that this movie is kind of delving into, more in the loop if you're going to go with that. Like, that deals with more modern war stuff and more politics side of it. Um, but that's still the bureaucrat nature that's affecting things. And Death of Stalin. Or if you're going in a more serious approach, like, if you do like this film, I'm not saying if... Like, uh, or if you were disappointed like me, or if you're wanting something of a more dramatic tone, go with the film Patton. It's a great character study of a very complex figure in history. Whether the people still argue to this day whether that movie is pro or anti war, hmm. it's still one of those movies that still generates that debate uh, about 50 years later. So, uh, 
yeah, you know, that that is the thing I would say. This movie has the potential. And if you did like it, it's a good jumping off point to engage yourself with those kind of movies I've just recommended. Uh, if you were to pull all these films together and just pick one to start with, would this be the one? War or, Machine? Yeah. I'd go with Death of Stalin. Right. Uh, that one's bleak, though. That one is bleak, but it's very funny. Um... I know. I I I just would like everyone to watch Patton. It's a it's a it's a masterclass of cinema, and not enough people of our generation have seen it. And it's also one of the best performances ever captured, ever in film. And George C. Scott apparently every time would it still apologize to the director because he never thought he captured the true essence of that character. Yet, he won an Oscar, but he refused the Oscar because he didn't believe in the pageantry of pitting actors against one another for a stupid trophy. Um, watch that. Watch those. I will say this. There were good moments of music in this. Mm-hmm. And then I was surprised to see that Nick Cave and Warren Ellis did the score for this movie, who are well-known for... Well-known Australian musicians, Nick Cave is probably more well-known, like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with the song like Red Right Hand or Where the Wild Roses Grow with Kylie Minogue. Bartek, I know you're not familiar with music at all, but you've most likely heard a Nick Cave song in your life. Probably. I I, heard, um, I recognize one of the classical tracks in War Machine. Oh, good. The Something of the Montagues or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, and Warren Ellis is someone who works with Nick Cave. So, again, Australian talent brought through. And also, uh, I imagine, I think they did this music for The Rover, which is a film that this team also worked on before this or around this time. Is that like a space film or something? No, no, it's an Australian... <laughs> no, no, it's an Australian um, depressing depressing movie with uh, Rob Pattinson. Where they go to Mars? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. The... <laughs> I should have said the moon, not Mars. Uh, no, no, Mars is correct. It could be correct. At least that's <laughs> red, like the Australian <laughs> desert. Um, Red dog. I did have a problem with that Tilda Swinton scene where she's basically telling him, like, the problems of... The 30 days thing? Or... She was the German... Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the wife. Yeah, the the German... Yeah, yeah. I loved that 30 day scene, by the way, where the wife broke down and he got offended. But she's like, no, that's a good thing. Like, I still love you. Like, it wasn't... It didn't go in a way that you expected it to. Mm-hmm. The German count, uh, the German consulate scene, or whatever. Yeah, it felt like the writer coming out and saying, "Do you get it? Do you get the movie we're doing? Did the character get it? Because we've got another character to tell them to get it. Do you get it? I got it. Mm. I got it before you did it. I definitely got it now. <laughs> There's no wiggle room to not get it, but I got it." Thanks, Tilda. <laughs> there was a lot of very diplomatic conversations in the films, like with all due respect or no offense taken. Or whatever. yeah, yeah. I liked when they used the fake Obama. <laughs> yes, it was so weird. <laughs> like they could have just done had... the voice, but they 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 went well, with you... showing the back of his head. But still. did you remember, like the first line he had in that scene? I think it actually was Obama. But then when they started having the guy speak, it was clearly not Obama. I couldn't tell. I didn't notice. I thought it was just an impression the entire time. Well, I know that the speech clearly was oh, on the, the TV the, was yeah, Obama. They showed his face for that. Yeah, yeah. And then when... Because one of the first shots you see of him is like him like slightly in the distance, blurred out, shaking people's hands. I could have sworn at that point <sighs> they were using real Obama. But then when they started having to him actually have like movie dialogue, it was the impersonator. Well... I, I'll take your word. Will you watch this again in your life? Uh, it's right there on Netflix for you to watch. That's true, yeah. And I was nice. Well, I Netflix, Netflix still exists. <laughs> Hopefully it will always. The sun might implode and kill us all. <laughs> Hopefully it won't go down the same road as uh, Witches of Eastwick. Um, it's probably right. It's a Netflix-made movie. That's so. true. That's true. be pretty sad if they have to put, take down one of those. Um... I wouldn't hate myself if I watched it again, but like I said, I've I've had my one experience with it, so yeah. probably wouldn't rush to see it again. I didn't hate it. I thought it was all right, and there are parts of it that I really liked. I like the way you put it. You respect the film. 
Mm. There are parts of this film that I really respected. I could see... If I was in teacher mode, I was like, that was alright. Do it again. Do it a little bit better next time. Learn from your experience. Yeah. I would not watch this again mm-hmm. in this state. If there was an edited, like a director's cut yeah, or an assembly yeah. cut or something of this. Like a cut that goes one of the two ways you were talking about. Something like this cleans it up. Like, just rookie mistakes in my book. Like, they rely on that narrator too much. Yeah. For what is a boring payoff um, and a boring character, not even a character, just a thing that exists. Again, I still barely remember him in it. Uh, cut that all together. Let the movie speak for itself. Film is a visual medium, people. Let the film show us the story instead of you getting someone else to just tell us the story with a bunch of words, because I was a bit thrown off when the first, I swear, five to ten solid minutes were nothing but monologue yeah. from a character we didn't know. Yep. About characters that we are supposed to know. And you're expected to get to know. And we introduce all these characters that serve no purpose other than Brad Pitt. And then as the film goes on, it introduces some more characters anyway. Um, so no, I won't watch this again. And yeah, I'd be interested in a, a different cut of the movie. I could see there's elements here that maybe a different cut of this could make it work. Yeah. But as it is, no. If you're going to do the narration character... Make them a character. Make it work. True stories for all of its strengths and flaws. That was the the pearl of that movie, which was David Byrne as the narrator. He was prominent in that movie, and he mattered to the movie as a narrator, and if you removed him, the movie would be less. This movie, remove that narrator, it would be better. Uh, so, no. Unfortunately, no. I'm sorry, Contrarian Podcast. You recommended this. Or maybe they hated it. And, um, you know, maybe you hate it. But who knows? You're too Contrarian for anyone to know. Actually, plot twist. We were were being Contrarian the whole time. We loved it. Ryan loved it. And because I'm in the middle, I'm still kind of in the Also, I want to clarify. I I love Venom, too. Venom, Venom. Gotta go get him. Get him. Dead him. And you're not even talking about Spider-Man 3. (laughs) I'm not even talking about Spider-Man 3. Ooh, and you hate Topher Grace as Eric Foreman. No, 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 no. That was true. That's, that's going too far. <laughs> that's going too far. I do love Topher Grace as Eric Foreman. He held that show together. We love you, Eric. Char- he wasn't my favorite character, but he held it together. Hmm. You need that guy. You need that one person that holds it together. It's like that movie Hereditary. You need Gabriel Byrne to hold that movie together, or else you're just going to be off in whimsy land. All right, Bartek, I think it's time to go to the plug zone. Ooh, the promozon. The promozon. The promozone. Uh, if you are a fellow podcaster and you uh, have an audio promo for your show, do get in contact with us. Our email is spitandpolished at gmail.com. We're always looking to uh, promo and plug some fellow podcasters out there because, you know, we listen to podcasts, we make podcasts, and we want our own listening people to discover some other podcasts out there like... We just mentioned the Contrarian podcast. We've played their promo before, and they were nice enough to give us a suggestion. So if you're a fellow podcaster, you can contact us in that email or on our social medias, which I'll plug later. Mm -hmm. Let's plug in the Plug Zone promo code SPITPOLISHPRE to get a free Audible for a month. (laughs) Sponsored. The Honey app, which I tried once and didn't work. What is that? It's like, um, it's an app that apparently scans the internet for promo codes. Rachel, my fiance had that and it didn't work for her either. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, so we're sponsored by Honey. <laughs> What's that one that people use? The Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club. Bartek doesn't use it because he has a beard. We are, oh, dude, if we're a real podcast, we'd be sponsored by Blue Apron and Zip Code Recruiter the entire time <laughs> if we're a real podcast. So here we go. Zip. Code Recruiter, plug in the Dollar Shave Club. And the Oscar goes to... 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 Hi, my name is Sean, and I am the co-host of the Best Picture Podcast. 
Each season, my co-host Eric and I randomly select a year and talk about the Best Picture nominees of that year, with each episode dedicated to a different movie. Did the Best Picture really win? Were there any overlooked movies? Was anything nominated that probably shouldn't have been? Listen to us and find out. Look for us wherever you can get fine podcasts. We just gave a bunch of free advertisement. Well, <laughs> did we give a bunch of free advertisement or did it feel like we're being condescending about them? But now people are going to Google them. So like, oh, this actually sounds pretty good. Oh, you, you, ZipRecruiter? <laughs> yeah, I love ZipRecruiter. <laughs> so, Bartek, uh, the thing is... We have another episode for next week in which we need a recommendation. We're not cancelled. The producers are keeping us. Audible kept us on. <laughs> I thought it was honey. It's every one of them, babe. It's also um whichever one does the get fresh food to your house that are vegetables. Blue Apron. No, Blue no. Apron does that too. But there's another one I swear okay. where their 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 logo is like a green apricot or some bullshit. Mm. I can't remember, but. We have to get next episode's recommendation, and I do believe it's your turn? No, Ryan. It, oh, wait. Yes, it is my turn. You actually had me confused. I was like, is it your turn? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's your turn. No, yeah, we did your one last week. No, we'll do mine again. My recommendation is Star Trek Into Darkness, bitches. <laughs> oh, you're going to be very surprised about what I'm picking, right? Because we're doing Star Trek. No. Um, I, 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 it just, my teeth were grinding at that. I was like, infuriated. No, if the- you're seriously going to do that to me, I will leave the no, show. No, 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 we're, we're doing the first one first. Um, I would actually would rather that if we did do Star Trek and Ducks, we would have to well, do obviously I'm leading up to that one. Uh, no, but, um, speaking of things we don't like, uh, that's the route I'm going for with the next one. In, no, things I don't like. Yeah, good. Might be something I don't like. So, I've mentioned this film on our previous podcast a couple of times, saying that I don't like it, Um, but whenever you've asked me about things I don't like about it, Mm. I haven't really been able to answer it because it's been too long since I've seen it. I saw it in cinemas back in 2012. Oh no, I think I know what it is. (laughs) I think I remember you saying you liked it, though, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about the film Savages. The Oliver Stone. I believe it's Oliver Stone. Yeah, I, I want to oh, give. Oh man, Benicio del Toro. Is I want to. <laughs> I want to give this film another chance since it's not fresh on my mind. You know, let bygones be bygones. Let me like you this time, Savages. Savages, Savages from 2012. Oliver Stone. We're gonna have I, wargasms. I, I think. Was it Amber Heard is the lady in it? I don't know. There was a blonde lady. I'm pretty sure. All I remember is Benicio yeah, Del Toro's in it. I'm pretty sure I know Benicio's Salma Hayek's in, it. in it. Salma Hayek is in it. Yeah, Benicio and Salma are in it. The, so. One of the lead guys is um, Aaron Johnson, the kick-ass guy. Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So Savages is Bartek's pick. Mm-hmm. So make sure to check out the Oliver Stone film Savages in the meantime so that uh, once we delve into it, you have a better understanding of it. I didn't even mention at the start that if you haven't seen War Machine, better go check it out because we're going to spoil War Machine from two years ago. I didn't even bother we'll do with the that. cannibal musical ending. Warning, this episode spoiled the movie. You should have seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we have our social medias of Facebook and Twitter in which you can reach out to us. Spit and Polish Presents. You'll find us very easily. We have a 41-minute response time on Facebook, so that's pretty good. Oh, I thought it was 44. Or 44. I don't know. You if said we, it. It's, uh, Facebook tells us that if we lower it, we can get like a medal or something. I want a medal. Guys, message us, but like, message us privately first, then tell us you're going to message us. So then we can message so then back we can real message quick. Back quickly. Uh, we have our email, which I just mentioned, spitandpolished at gmail.com, in which you can email forward some comments, some feedback, some yep. thoughts, or recommendations for future Pictures Powwow episodes, because we always mm-hmm. are craving those. You don't have to be a friend of ours personally or a podcast to recommend. You can be an enemy. You can be anything. You can be an enemy, enemy. I'm always making enemies. Just because the first two were one of our fiancés and fellow podcasts doesn't mean it can't be a you know average Joe or Jill. Yeah, exactly. It could be... No, I'm not going to say it. So, <laughs> I thought about something, and then I'm like, if I say it, it'll be suggested. It could be I don't... the president of Honey. Yeah, Honey. 
Honey bear. Honey boo boo. Honey boo boo. Huggy bear. Honey boo boo child. Snoop Dogg, send us a re- suggestion. We'll, oh, dude, if we'll Snoop Dogg wants us to review the Spyro game instead of a movie, <laughs> I'll do it. I've, I'll do whatever pl- you want, I played Snoop. the crap out of Spyro. Snoop, Spyro's been added to Crash Team Racing, I hear, so I'm mm-hmm. up for it. I mean, I don't think he should be in there, but whatever. Leave Crash pure. Well, I don't they've w- crossed over before. I don't want it, Bartek. I don't want it. You don't want the Game Boy Advance game where Spyro fights Cortex? No. And the companion one where Crash fights Ripto? So, if you are good listening people, make sure to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform available allows it. We are on all of them, from my understanding. At least all the ones that matter. Yeah, take that, SoundCloud. We're not on you. We don't want to be. Honestly, if you asked me if we were, I probably would have said yes. Yeah. Because the joke's always that we're not on Instagram. We're not on MySpace either, but we will be one day. Uh, until next time, listening people, and Bartek, and myself, remember to be kind to each other, or we'll have to just start a whole entire eight years war of terror that will eventually lead to us being kicked out with the mud on our faces and the blood on our hands and we'll have an existential dread about it and build our nation's identity of fear on the other and involve an orange man becoming president ruling through a fear tactic campaign. Crash Bandicoot would not do that. You're right, Crash wouldn't do that. He'd rule through spinning really hard. It would be like on The Simpsons twirling, twirling towards the future. Whoa!